0: Welcome to episode 123 of the of Futurist podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. And we've got a very special guest tonight. We're delighted to be joined today by Paul Dix. Paul is an award-winning behaviour specialist who has helped schools all over the world transform their behaviour policies.
1: Yeah, Paul is the author of the book When the Adults Change, Everything Changes and leads the very popular Bam the Booths campaign, which I'm sure we'll get into tonight.
2: Yeah, this weekend, Paul starts a new venture. Um, his new radio station for teachers, Teacher Hug Radio, launches at TeacherHugRadio.co.uk.
3: Yeah, let's jump into it, Paul. Hello, welcome. So you are very coordinated, and you know that was very slick. That was beautiful.
0: Thank you. It's almost like Thank we've you. been doing this for one hundred and
3: twenty-three episodes. One hundred and twenty. When did you start? Last week. <laughs> Yeah, that's busy you have been really busy you know And not, you're, you're trying to up the, the podcast game immediately by coming in with a few hundred episodes just to, just to you know to grab some some land
1: yeah yeah we started a couple of years ago actually yeah so um i think yeah we, we, we've, we've done all right it's, it's been good we've carried on we've enjoyed it it's been uh it's been good it's good to uh it's good to have you on we've talked to it about it for a while so it's been uh, it's, it's great to be able to get you
3: on paul Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's
0: and I, I love the, the images in the background. Um, it's kind of two themes that we we would like to get into this evening and, and chat to you about. Uh, so the first is, this weekend is is a big weekend for you, isn't it? Do you want to just give our listeners a bit of an insight into what's happening?
3: So this weekend, we're launching Teacher Hug Radio on teacherhug.co.uk. Uh, we've got, I think, about 26 hours, maybe more, of programming for the weekend, everything from um representation matters uh about um, disability to uh, action jackson on a saturday night to Teria bono and jazam palfar and, and all sorts and how roberts um you, you'd have had him on the show no
1: not yet not yet we, we won't all oh, right it, yeah.
3: okay you, you're absolutely right he's, he's not really a top booking anymore so have me on first <laughs> but the how pa- just to remind you rhymes with towel okay so just it, no confusion there when he does come on but anyway he's on the radio station uh, as well it's it, it's going to be fabulous it's the soundtrack to your teaching career and we just wanted to create something that was uh you know just a big warm hug for teachers because um you know they're just getting it from all sides at the moment uh, remote teaching and being pilloried in the press and the media and pulled this way and that and told that you know we're going to open here we're not closed we are closed we you know all of that caper it, they just need a big hug at the moment, and so it's perfectly timed, really. And so we hope people will just be able to, you know, stay in bed, uh, pull the duvet up, have a nice cup of tea, um, and just listen to some really good uh, quality radio.
0: Yeah, that's great. Oh, it's a socially distanced hug, though. Let's let's make that clear. Let's not be well, in your own home,
3: Dan. I mean, you know. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave it. There. I don't know who so, you, I don't know who you're cuddling up with on a Saturday morning, but I'm hoping they're not strangers. <laughs> <laughs> not all of them, yeah. anyway. <laughs> well, me and Dan did discuss that. As, as whoa, uh, whoa, what, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> we See now, I've got, I've got the three of you now in a sort of a more and wise situation, right? In <laughs> in bed together, full pajamas, uh, you know, cup of tea and toast.
0: As long as it's full pajamas, Paul.
3: Yeah, it has to be.
2: <laughs> it's just interesting that we actually are in the same room, but we've had to paint segments of the wall to look like we're actually in the distance. And, and Dan, Dunn, even even from up, further up north, it's just a fake accent. So uh, it's really interesting how we pull it together. Um, but yes, yeah, we're, we're having a conversation about remember life when you didn't have the, the really young children and you just like, people like, remember sleeping until 12? And that's, uh, <laughs> so our radio, we might be listening with screaming children alongside yeah. us. But oh, we, you've got just...
3: young children, have you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mine, are f- mine are 14 and 18. If you don't wake them up, they don't. They just sleep through the entire weekend. You know, they, they, I mean, they genuinely wouldn't wake up unless it's a wake them up at two in the afternoon on a Saturday. Oh, it's bloody early, you know. Why, why uh, would you wake them up? Just let them sleep? Yeah. <laughs> So, so that's a really interesting question, and 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 <laughs> you know, I do want to let them sleep, and I do feel that I still feel in my heart. I know that you know that feeling of being a teenager and sleeping till three in the afternoon, waking up, and then just thinking it's just not even worth getting up. It's just staying in my pajamas and and go to bed. Um, I, I get all of that, but I also feel it's my duty as a father to to be you know slightly cruel to them. Uh, <laughs> you know, otherwise who's going to be really? And I don't think get, I don't think getting up at twelve o'clock is cruel to you. I mean, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I, 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 I it's been a long while. I've got a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old. I still don't get the lie until 12. It's coming. <clears throat> it's coming. I got I got a lie until like about 8.15 the other weekend. Okay, I felt but, like...
3: but Ben, I, I, I hate to break it to you, right? But by the time you get to the point where you can have a lie-in, uh, you're so old. That you you wake yourself up at six in the morning just to check you're still alive, right? You you know you you, you don't want to sleep that much because you haven't got much time left. So you know you, you're up at six anyway. That's the problem.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, and then I read a book that says I've got to be in the teacher five a.m. club anyway, so I've got to get up. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: definitely. I've never made the teacher five a.m. I don't even. I can't even imagine. You know, where. I don't want to communicate with anybody at that time in the morning.
1: No. <laughs> yeah, so we're ex- we're excited about Teacher Hug Radio. I think, um, and we're we're looking forward actually to being being part of uh, what what you're trying to do as well. And uh, some great some great great um, guests and shows that are coming up. We're we're excited about that and excited to see where it goes. I think I love the idea that the the, the point of this is so that teachers feel like somebody cares about them, and it's that soundtrack. And I suppose it's just people are saying good things there's good things going on in education let's hear about the good things that people are doing and let's celebrate that it's just it it just feels warm and it feels like very very necessary
3: i think it is and it's not you know we're not going to avoid the bad news stories and the difficult issues but what we're not going to do is be kind of clickbaity uh you know an extension of social media we don't want to be that we want to have conversations like you would have in the staff room which are nuanced and balanced and respectful and uh and 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 positive rather than the sort of, you know, kick off another fight against X, Y, and Z. We, you know, we're, we're not interested in doing that. Um, and we we neither do we want to sort of bombard people with CPD at the weekend because everybody deserves a bit of a rest. So we're just trying to find that line. And, you know, we're, it, what, what's interesting about the whole thing is we're, we're complete amateurs. You know, I mean, genuinely, we don't know what we're doing. Um, I had an idea to set up a radio station. I found my friend Kevin because he's a sound producer and uh, and podcaster. And I said, I've had this idea. <laughs> we, just, we just thought, we'll, we'll do it. You know, it was, there was it was, um, it was it was a tingly feeling, right? You get a tingly feeling now and again. You know, I, I still get them at my age. And it was just one of those um, that this has got. It. We have to do this. We just have to do it. It just it makes sense all the way through. And what we're trying to do is build up an audience so that we broadcast every weekend. Um, so we've got a launch weekend this weekend, 30th, 31st of January. Then we're taking a week's break in case there are any technical difficulties we have to clear up, and then we're every weekend from the Valentine's weekend. But we, our plan is very quickly to go to uh, midweek uh, evenings, midweek. Then we're going to extend into the school day, and we're going to be doing and producing some free programming for children, whether they're home learning or learning in a classroom. Uh, we're going to use the daytime space to broadcast audio learning because we think uh, that screens are all very well and good we love screens uh, but actually aren't people a bit fed up with the whole staring at a screen business and wouldn't everybody like a bit of a break from screen learning and to do some audio learning so there's lots and lots of expansion ideas what we're concentrating on at the moment is really high quality sound r- good quality content and let's just build an audience and and, and give them the radio station. You know, the radio station is for teachers. It's for the people listening. And we want them to feel that it's their radio station. Uh, and once we get to that point, we would we'll have, we'll have done what we have set out to do.
0: And you have had quite a, a big drive to get teachers involved and, and to come up with uh, content as well, haven't you? So if So if teachers out there do want to contribute, how do they go about doing that?
3: So they just go to um, www.teacherhug.co.uk. Uh, there are forms there. If you're if you fancy contributing or presenting or um or being involved in, a, in in an innovation of a new show, so what people don't see is behind the scenes we've got fifteen shows in the pipeline that are being made just for teacher hug radio so you've got all the content that's going to be there this weekend, but then that's this is gonna it's gonna constantly expand so we're really interested in innovative ideas um uh, uh niche ideas. You might be someone who thinks they can contribute maybe once a month or once every two weeks um, and join one of our teams. Um, most of our presenter teams have four or five people in them. So it's nothing is too onerous. We don't want this to be hard on teachers time. Teachers are already busy uh, and need to very carefully you know, uh, save their time and their free time. So once a month you might contribute. And, and that seems like you know, that's balanced for most people. They can manage that.
0: It seems like it, it's a. It seems like a very different direction to to kind of what a lot of our listeners will know you for. Um, so are you still involved with the the behavioural side of things as well? Is that still on on the radar?
3: I I, I am. It's my day job. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> teacher hug was a mad idea. Let's, let's just do the radio station. And so yeah, it's it. I'm trying to manage. I'm trying to manage the radio station uh, alongside uh, doing. Uh, they're doing the book, doing the writing. There's a new book coming out, thirty first of March this year, called "After the Adults Change," which is the one in the background. Uh, so I'm I'm writing. I'm working with schools. Uh, I'm working with head teachers. Uh, you know, all sorts. All from this strange little corner of my house.
0: <laughs> yeah, I which, guess. Which, are you? Are you? I, I, there's a there's a bandwagon at the minute, isn't there? Where where a lot of authors out there are jumping onto the online learning. Um, any. have you got any persuasion to jump onto online behavior policies or anything like that so
3: no no none whatsoever
0: (laughs) i'm saying it because it because me and steve were talking (laughs) me and steve were talking just before about uh (laughs) i don't know if you it was quite anecdotal but there's there's a few tweets being gone around twitter and and i heard from my my tweets on twitter tweets on twitter that's that's unusual that's where they tend to be Uh, yeah and my partner she's she's a teacher and she's got friends who've heard similar things of uh
3: <laughs> where's this going this is, that sounds terrible what are you going to reveal now i really, really built this up
0: <laughs> online yeah google meet or google team detentions after school okay <laughs> <laughs> surely surely that can't be happening surely nobody sat there oh and yeah thought that up surely oh not. yeah
3: it's it's not only yeah, absolutely it's happening and there are schools that demand full school uniform as well um, it, when when you're sat in front of the computer and it's just a <laughs> it, it's a translation of an authoritarian regime onto on, on the on the online world and and it it's patently ridiculous which is which is why I enjoy it because hopefully when you know when people running that kind of regime go back to school they might just be a bit more human about uh, how they teach and maybe a little bit more relational in their practice and what's interesting about online learning is you can't be authoritarian, right? Because you're in someone's home, you're in their bedroom, you're, you're looking at them and talking at them quite intently. So, you know, you can't have that sort of, uh, you know, I'm standing, you know, I'm standing meters away from you sort of puffed up at the, at the end of the class. You can't be that authoritarian online. I'd, at least, well, maybe there's a, may, maybe someone's writing a book about it right now, who knows, but uh, it does, it does, you know, there, there are benefits about, online learning and the relationships that will have grown not just between teachers and and their learners but also with families as well
1: yeah I think it's really interesting when you talk yeah. about that authoritarian compliant um methodology um, and I know that one of the one of the big things in terms of your ideas around behavior is it's not about um it's, it's not about the authority figure and being being able to being the loudest voice and the, and the what the shouty one who tells people what to do and rules and compliance and all that kind of stuff. I wonder if you could talk to us about your your thoughts around this. Uh, what I know that's a really broad conversation. When I say, can you tell us uh, what your thoughts are you, around behaviour? But
3: <laughs> you, you could probably predict my response, Ben. I mean, it's fairly well known that I'm not a big fan of authoritarian regimes, and um, uh, and you know, uh, what did I have today? Uh, children have to carry their coat over their left arm, uh, and it must be the left arm, and it's checked. Uh, so when you're walking around school, coat over the left arm is an absolute no-no, uh, punishable by instant death, I think. But, you, you know, there's. <laughs> I've spent a whole teaching career and a whole writing career, and everything I do is about relational practice. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to attack the... Um, you know, the, the people that, that still think it should be like the early 1980s and uh, board rubbers and authoritarianism and, and, you know, teachers knowledge in the cupboard and all that. I mean, you know, I'd like just to tempt them over to, to away from the dark side and come into the light. Uh, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> attack them. Uh, I want to uh, show them some different practice and show them what happens when people change and systems change uh, rather than expecting the child to change. And that idea that that child should change despite their circumstances, despite where they come from, despite where they slept last night. That child should change before I change. It's just out the window. It's just old news. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's that um, Arctic Monkeys song, isn't it? The, um, uh, the vampire thing. Uh, these people are vampires and all their stories are stale. I'm just bored of hearing about that kind of nonsense because the evidence doesn't bear it out. And the evidence is with relational practice. Uh, go to Scotland. Look at the Glasgow model. Uh, talk to head teachers about how they dramatically reduced ex- exclusion by creating amazing nurture units in their schools, uh, and and turning the tide on violent uh, incidents, violent crime. School to prison pipeline—it's all there for you to see. Occasionally, someone, I think from the DFE in England, trots up to Scotland, has a look around, and says, "That's awfully nice." Comes back down and says, "There's nothing for there, nothing for us there." But but, but it is proven—you can, you know, go and see it, look at the data, talk to the people involved in it. It's not just a success story for the UK; it's a worldwide success story because the uh, Scottish school system is trauma-informed from the get-go. Uh, their behaviour policies don't shy away from the idea of childhood suffering, childhood distress. They accept it because they know it's there and they can see it in front of their eyes. Uh, and, and they're determined to do something about that in a way that uh, perhaps the English uh, don't want to approach it in the same way. They'd rather sort of do the you know, shouting about standards and academic rigour and testing and all the rest of it, whereas... The Scottish system has been changed at its heart, and what you'll see is that developing and growing stronger and stronger because it works uh, you know quite simply and they've stopped arguing about whether you know authoritarian regimes work or they don't they've seen it they had them um, you know the country was awash with Lee cantor and assertive discipline, nothing wrong with that for its time right because it took us away from grabbing kids and smacking them physically um, but they flipped from uh, from you know th- that approach to a, a trauma informed approach, um, not overnight. They've worked very hard on it, but uh, they've never stepped back. They've never been tempted to, to say, "Well, actually, we we do need to shout a bit more." We, oh, we do we need some booths. We'll we'll get the booth company in up north, and the booth company is quite near you. There's a there there are people who sell booths. You've got me. Oh, I got myself onto that already. I'm on a ramble. So uh, they're not going to do it. They're not going to start um, regressing um, because. They've looked at the evidence, um, and they're pushing forward. What's interesting in Scotland is um, when you mention educational psychologists in Scotland, people respond with respect and with uh, you know, and, and giving them their place within the system. When you say educational psychologists in England, they say, "Oh, well, I haven't seen one in tw- in, in twenty years. I, you know, I, don't, I didn't even know they're still around." And 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 then. Well, they can't help us. They don't teach in classrooms. You know the sort of dismissive approach to it. It's much more respectful of everyone that can help children and everyone that can help schools in Scotland. And I like it a lot. I'd like to. I'd like more people to go and look at what they're doing and bring some of it back.
0: Well, why do you th- why do you think it is that we we find a lot of schools at, in England that are reluctant? Do you think to 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 try that scott the, the scottish model that you were talking about there is it is it because it is it easy like i'm just thinking as a teacher myself is is it easy just to put the child in the booth for the day and say right hope you've learned your lesson uh back into classes the next day then actually sit down and and have that restorative conversation with them uh, feels like
3: you're doing something punishment feels like you're doing something you've dealt with it it's done and dusted move on but life isn't like that and behavior doesn't change like that you don't change adult behavior by punishing it um, until, until they sort of have some miracle road to Damascus experience. And the truth about the whole thing is it's not restorative versus booths, right? <laughs> you know, you're a teacher. There's a hell of a lot of things in between that. And, and so what's interesting is, you know, uh, pigeonholing people. Oh, Paul, he's all about restorative. He's never punished a child in his life. What nonsense. Uh, for some children, keeping them behind for five minutes, 10 minutes at break time works. The best restorative school in the country still uses detentions you know um consequences are about fitting the consequence to the child to the situation to the context rather than having blanket approaches to it so where i differ from some people is i i, I won't do the tariffs and the flow charts and if you don't do that this happens next i, I work in circles with kids uh, and 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 We encourage teachers to coach behavior and teach behavior, not because we're soft, not because we want the child to get away with it, but because sometimes a consequence is right. Sometimes a natural consequence is right. Clear it up, mend it. Sometimes a conversation is right, a restorative conversation, because trust has been broken between the student and the teacher. So the key here to proportionate consequences is to make sure that you're applying the right consequence to the right moment. You all know this, right? You you know that with some learners, you can keep them behind for a couple of minutes at the end of the lesson and it's fine. It's done, right? It doesn't need any more than that. And I, I think sometimes we get caught in the idea that more punishment means better behavior. And of course it doesn't. And sometimes the quiet word, the small pep talk, the five minutes can be just as effective as you know you're in detention for two hours next tuesday i I, I once had a a kind of a lively debate with a head teacher who was thinking of getting me to work with with his staff he didn't he didn't he was trying to suss me out and i said to him um what's your what's your system now for consequences and he says well we've got detentions on every weekday monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday night um every detention he said that but that wasn't it wasn't doing it for us. you know. We still had loads of kids not turning up for detention. So uh, we put on a Saturday morning detention. And I said to him, well, how's that going? He said, well, it's full up. We can't, we can't possibly have any other kid, And it's not working. He says, they're, not, they're still not behaving. I said, so that's why you got me in then? He said, no, not really. He said, I didn't really want you in. It was somebody else who, who, who suggested you. He said, because I was going to try Sunday morning detentions first. <laughs> You know, it's, it's Seymour Skinner from The Simpsons. It's his golden detention block. You know, it's the ultimate dream that we could have uh, you know, some kind of punishment that would work and just increase it more and more until it works. Um, that That's madness, isn't it?
1: It is. And I went to a school where... Um, lunchtime detentions were like the after-school detentions because a lot of people travelled in, so yeah. that was like if you lost your lunchtime because it was a in the, in the days when you used to get an hour at lunchtime and and we used to be able to play all sorts of sports and whatever else. So I lost, if you lost a a, um, a lunchtime, it was a big deal. Yeah. Unless and then the, but then it went up in tiers to there was a Thursday detention. It was not It wasn't called a Thursday detention. It got called a Thursday. If you got a Thursday, yeah. you were like you were like well bad. Yeah, Uh, and uh, I remember being really proud of myself for getting a few Thursdays. But then, and these these were like the they did have a Saturday morning detention at the school I went to, and and that's I I don't know anybody who ever got one. But apparently, that was like if you've killed somebody, you get a Saturday morning detention. But uh, (laughs) uh, but yeah, it's uh, I, I I imagine I imagine. Um, it, it was it was it was really interesting, and we've talked about things like uh, you you talked about carrying the court on the left 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 arm, but like walking on the left and carrying your books in front of you, and make sure you're lined up in appropriately, and that you've got to, everybody's eyes are facing the same way, and all those things that need to be the case, and somehow like even even controlling how people sit at lunchtime. And what they can talk about, and who can go in which way and which door, and and all those kind of things. It just feels like almost, yeah. It just feels a little bit broken.
3: So here, here okay. So here's the thing that there's no need to run a school like that. Ninety-five percent of the kids will thrive, whatever happens, whether it's a punitive regime or a restorative one, a trauma-informed one. They're still going to be able to survive that. Uh, the five percent of children, they're not affected by a Thursday, are they? Because they're not busy, right? Who's busy at fourteen? You're not. You're not busy. If you ask me to spend an hour on a Thursday night, I'm questioning you, right? What, what do you want me for? How long am I going to be? You know, uh, am I going to get paid? And you know, all of that stuff going on. When you're fourteen, you're not. I mean, you're not even going to die, right? You're, you're you're immortal. And somebody says, "I'll take an hour of your time." Have it, have it, mate. I'm not bothered. So what? And what's really interesting about all of this is that people say to me, "Well, you can't can't let them off, can you? You can't just let them off." I tell you what, if you work in a school that has a um, the, the, where the response to poor behavior is detention, right? I'll tell you what conversations go on in that school because some kids rack up so many detentions that they can't serve them, right? And that happens in every school where they've got that. There's, you know, you you go to every lesson and you mess about in it and you get a detention from every teacher. No coat over the left shoulder. Don't look at me in a funny way. Walk on, you know, all of that. Um, by the end of the week you could have what 40 detentions well who's going to make you serve 40 detentions nobody and here's the truth because somebody in the senior leadership team will have to come to you as a student right and do a deal with you and they will say okay paul you've got 56 hours worth of detention here how about we do uh, a day in the booth and we'll call it quits and those deals go on all the time right so when people say oh you know it's so certain what happens in these regimes and everyone knows where they stand there's no negotiation you know no excuses no ne- non- non-negotiable absolute nonsense right That the, the kids know how to break the system uh, and those kids are the same kids uh, that, that you know they're the, they're the same kids whatever their culture is so Let's just get away from the idea. You know where it comes from, the idea that you just lump, apart from Victorian Britain, you know, the charter school system in America, um, you know, that, that, that whole kind of walk straight, uh, this, is, this, <laughs> this is how you become middle class, <laughs> which essentially is what it is, right? It's, it's some kind of boot camp for the working class to be middle class. Let's, let's, just, let's just clear this up, right? Working class people don't want to be middle class, that's not the ambition. The (laughs) the ambition is to have some money, to to have a nice house, to you know, to have a good family. It's not to. to, It's not a Mrs. Bouquet uh, rise through the system. People don't. I don't. I never know why people don't understand that. But uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, And and so, where this comes from, where this emanates, it's a political thing, right? This is politics. I went to see um, a a gentleman by the name of Mister. Mister. Nicholas Gibb. You may have heard of him, right? And I went to see him while he was still in opposition because I could see that there was going to be a change of government. And I went to him and I said, um, (laughs) I met him in Portcullis House and I said to him, well, here's a behaviour system. Here's the evidence behind it. Works brilliantly. Here are some head teachers really happy to talk to you about it. Wonder if, you know, we we might be able to, to get this to more schools. And he banged the table. He was furious at me. But partly because I brought a mate of mine who was an absolute lefty with me and, and he, couldn't, he, he couldn't hide the fact that he was, you know, he just wanted to throttle him because he was a Tory. And I, I, <laughs> I was kind of stamping on his foot during the meeting to, <laughs> to stop him saying something outrageous. Anyway, but Gib banged the table at me and he pointed at me. He said, he said, I'll tell you about discipline in schools, Paul. I've just been to visit six military schools. I will tell you about discipline. And here we are 10 years later. Ten years later, and that philosophy and that attitude towards children is still running the Department for Education in England. So, is it any wonder why Scotland has gone off and 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 they're not listening to any of that and they're just doing their own thing and being incredibly successful? And we're stuck with an argument about, you know, we, we're arguing about silent corridors and booths and uh, you know and just just crazy things that people in other countries go, "Are you serious?" Are you you know? Do you really put children in those things? Do you really expect children not to speak as they walk down the? You know what? They can't understand it. It's very very odd, right? It, it, it's not. You'd think in other countries where they're having the same arguments, they're not. They've moved on, right? They've worked out that relationships work, that positive cultures work, that there'll always be a small amount of children who struggle with school, and we need to find solutions. They've worked it out, and they've moved on and they've moved on to what schools should be about which is not arguments about behavior but teaching and learning
0: yeah it's it's just really interesting how the 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 narrative at the moment from from our, from our government is children must be back in school because of their well-being and mental health and then you put that to, alongside with the fact that <laughs> everything that you've just said they care and- so
3: much right they care so much <laughs> They're bleeding. I'm, you know, I'm crying liberal tears for them. They, they, you know, they, they care so much about the vulnerable children that they've spent ten years underfunding education, underfunding uh, um, speech and language therapists, CAMs, pupil referral units, school budgets, which are just going down and down. FE colleges that they've just ransacked. Uh, you know, you used to be able to do night school. you Used to be able to go and learn lang. You used to be out to go and learn. Uh, you know, and all of that stuff. That, and then suddenly, when children are at home for six weeks, we hear this. You know, pained. Exp- you know, they won't even feed them, right? They won't even. Oh, you have got me. You see, you get me on politics, and I'm off. But they won't even feed them, right? They won't give them broadband or a computer to yeah. use. And and yet, uh, no, it's it, it's madness. It's it's madness. And the the whole going back to school, coming back to school thing. It's um. You know, it's not really about kids going back to school and not going back to school. It's about, um, you know, it's about a beef with the unions, right? It, it's about the fact that, that the, the the teaching unions are one of the strongest unions, you know, one of the strongest groups of unions they've got. They've never been able to break it. Uh, they're desperate to be able to um, do something, tinker with, sell off academies. You know, all, all of that caper is in the background, isn't it? It has been for a long time. Uh, and if they can find a, a way to to break the blob, as Mr Gove uh, would have said, uh, then they'll find any way to do that. So I, I, I don't trust their decision making because I don't think it's purely based on keeping children safe. If they really wanted to keep children safe, they wouldn't have defunded education for the last 10 years. A little bit of politics,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, um, I work at an FE college that is a, uh, um, I wouldn't say we're perfect, but um, at it, but we, uh, we use restorative practice, and, and on all of those things, and I think we have um some really uh, interesting um, learners that come from different, uh, massive different contexts in regards to deprivation, uh, and and I watched a video. I think it was about, I think it was twenty sixteen. And I don't know if anybody's seen the video where. It kind of walks through a whole process of a 16-year-old of a, of a coming to college. Um, and it talks about the, the, the journey they have, that they, they've woken up um, uh, and got changed in the dark. They've slept, sometimes they've been on a sofa, surfer. They've, they've slept in a mattress on the floor. There's no lights. There's, yeah. there's all of those different avenues. And they've had no bus fare. So they've walked, and, and the mum and dad are working many, many different jobs. So they're out of the house. I've not had any breakfast. Walking brother and sister to school, then walking, getting there, turning up five minutes late, and somebody's telling them, "Well, that's not good enough because you're five minutes late." And also, where's your pen?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I watched that, and we kind of shared that across the college in terms of what the approach should be. Um, and this thing, of, if you turn up more than ten minutes late, we used to have a rule: turn up more than ten minutes late, you don't come in. And and it really kind of changed our whole approach to to to, to that and the conversations and. And I really like what you said, that that it's not about always losing as a teacher, always thinking that the students are going to be, well, you can't do anything about them because um, cause they're going to win because they've got the control. But it isn't about that. It's about positive regard, building relationships, understanding the learners, and then applying, like I say, appropriate mechanisms to, to ensure that their focus is on learning where possible. Um. So yeah, I'm really interested in that, and I think that it's that thing that we do. We think we're going to lose as a teacher if we're not. If we lose that mechanism of dictatorship and stand at the front and telling them, I'm I'm not sure. Really, Uh, it's not really a question. It was just more of a musing in terms of where I'm at. Um, so I think yeah, I think (laughs) is it culture? Is it a win? Is it fear? I don't know. I don't know. But how do how do we how do we solve it? How do, how would you've written a book on it?
3: I've written, it's, I've written a few. It, I mean, I'm it, not here to pitch books, but but it, I have written a
2: few. It, <laughs> written. It, 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 it's Nobody the read book. the other ones. So we know what the what the issue is. What are the next steps to actually change it? How what, how do we collectively then think? How how do we change it so that it's not about punishment? It's actually about positive regard, building relationships, and and a focus on learning.
3: We we keep making the arguments. We um. We keep showing the examples we keep showing the evidence we talk to children about their experiences in school we listen to parents who who would actually like a more relational approach when you you know when you hear about independent schools they sell themselves on happy children they don't sell themselves on you'll get the best exam results Or they say we're a happy school and we'll look after your child we'll make them safe you know there's a different approach isn't there And, and What's interesting about it is you can listen to arguments raging on Twitter. But they're not representative of the, prof- they're not representative of the profession at all. Um, you know, when the adults change, everything changes. It's sold a hundred thousand copies, and there aren't many teachers that haven't either heard of it or used it within the classroom. Um, that you know, I don't think. It, when, when they talk about Scottish schools, they talk about when the adults change and they talk about trauma-informed practice and they talk about nurture provision. And those are the three things that are driving it. It is changing. We, you know, we are, it's, it's, it takes a while, but the pendulum is swinging back, right? We can't have, everybody knows we can't have the amount of kids run, running the streets um, and everybody knows the problems with county lines and with kids roaming about and nothing to do. You know that's in that that's that's not just somebody else's problem. That's in all of our communities, and so the pendulum is swinging back. Um, You know, sometimes uh, it seems like it's just a PR exercise, but lots of schools talk about restorative practice. Ten years ago, that was very rare to be talking about that. Um, People are talking about booths. You know, we we may not have managed to ban the booths in in twelve months, but by goodness, we've caused a conversation there in every. School that's got booths about, you know, are we all right there, you know, are we the baddies? <laughs> you know, just questioning. And I think that's what education is about. It's about that debate, but that, you know, education doesn't change very quickly. It's a big ship to turn around. Um, and, you know, maybe we need a, a bit of a change of personalities in the Department for Education. Wouldn't that be refreshing? Uh, but despite all of that, teachers and the heart of the teacher is relational that you know nobody joins the profession thinking you know I'm really going to enjoy the clipboard and putting kids in detention that's going to be the highlight of my career nobody wants that um so you know when they find it expressed in a book how they genuinely do want to teach that's you know they come to that and they, and they flood to it so i would just counsel not you know the the government's favorite schools are very well advertised they're they you know um Given lots of time and space by people in power, but they're not representative of the profession. Charter schools are, you know, they, they might be little miracles or they might appear to be so, but they're distractions because there are 25,000 schools out there who aren't a charter school and not having government ministers looking around them every five minutes. And, and, and what, what these are are distractions from the funding issues that uh, are affecting 99% of schools. So every time you see a story about strictest head teacher or, you know, whatever it is, silent corridors or, you know, any of that, it's just a distraction. Why aren't we talking about school funding? Why aren't we talking about the fact that, um, that pension, con- pension contributions, uh, you know, uh, get frozen, that, that nobody gives you an increase, uh, the year-on-year increases in school budget are not, uh, that they're, they're ignored. Uh, so, staffing costs that rise are just ignored. Pay incentives for teachers are just put back onto trusts and onto schools and onto local authorities. So, sc- the, the dwindling school budgets are causing real, real problems in schools. Um, but yet, you know, on the front page of a national newspaper is some ridiculous story about a, a, a kid who doesn't want to wear black jogging bottoms with school logos on. And that's what we're talking about. We can't, we shouldn't be distracted from. From the real issue here, which is uh you know the the reduction of funding reduction of um of of staff in schools and and the constant chewing away at the education budget
1: yeah and I think in that as well when you're talking about the cutting of staffing it does tend to be support staff that get get hit the first isn't it so the people that are working um to to work with vulnerable students or what we would once have called pastoral um staff and, and that word pastor you're not allowed to use anymore because it's it's a bit too wet and warm and fuzzy and nice. And and I think like the, the whole principle around children need and children and young people and I've come from a, a from a secondary background and they work in FE, children doesn't they haven't formed fully and they need wrap around care. And they need us not just to get them to know more and remember more. It's they're not just knowledge kind of like what's the word receptacles that we somehow we've just got to get something into them that we've got to develop them as people and i love that i love your passion around that whole concept of the whole child and worrying about not worrying but thinking about um there's a there's more to schooling than um getting stuff into their brains
3: I mean, how reductive are we going to go with education? You know, Ofsted saying that it's about knowledge filling heads and how much you remember. I, I, don't even, I don't even know how to react to that. Uh, you know, it's just it, it's just so ridiculous. Uh, you know, of course, knowledge is important. Hello. We had knowledge ages ago, by the way. I mean, we've had knowledge for quite a long time uh you know i I mean we didn't have knowledge rich, so maybe it was just ordinary knowledge right but but, I had a bit of ordinary knowledge, and I taught a bit of ordinary knowledge. um now we have special knowledge, rich knowledge uh you know and, and I'm sure it's much better uh but but you know I, I I still think you know a little bit of you know other stuff, creativity, in fact, you know, do you remember uh you know you remember drama departments in schools? Um, until they got rid of all the drama teachers and they became education consultants and and, and charged double the, you know the, <laughs> there's a deep truth in that right uh, uh, all over just check all the people that are going into they're all extra drama teachers and going well, if you're not going to give me a job I'm going to take I'm going to come and I'm going to come and tell you how to do yours uh, <laughs> that's made me laugh now um, uh, now I'm lost you see old man said something funny to myself uh, and now I've lost my way <laughs> Creativity. Uh, yeah, you know where where you know that we we've now been told that the art subjects are hobbies, right? That's that's what that's what we're told. Oh, it's just a hobby. You don't need that on the curriculum. Music's just a hobby. I mean, when when are we going to say <laughs> when are we going to just like some heads have done, which is say, actually, do you know what? I'm not doing any of this stuff for Ofsted. I'm not doing any of this stuff for the DFE. I'm going to do it for my kids, and I'm doing it for my community, and I'm going to stand by that. And and you know, c- come and come and drag me out of my office and drag me out of the school if you need to. But but I, I know that children need more than just knowledge and tests. And uh, you know, it, it. I feel like sometimes I, I have to have arguments that are so ridiculous that 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 I don't know how to have them anymore. Does that make sense? It's, if you saw this in a book, you'd think it was made make believe. A lot of these conversations, surely. When you when you tell people in other countries, they say, "Are you serious?" Are you, I had, uh, um, okay, B, uh, so Bill Rogers, you know, Bill Rogers, uh, behavior guy, uh, you know, amazing, amazing guy, um, and he came over, and I interviewed him for some podcasts, and I was explaining to him a, a, about you know charter schools and and kind of the zero tolerance uh, brigade and. You know, no excuses and all of that, and he was just despairing. He's he's in his seventies, but he said, "Paul, I need to come back to England and do something about this." Well, I thought we'd won all these arguments in the in the early nineties, late eighties, and he had right, he really had, and now somehow we slip back. But you know that I think we just need to uh, not be distracted by the loudest voices uh, and and focus on what. Children need what teachers love to do, which is to build relationships, um, of course, to have knowledge there, but to have everything else along the way, the coaching, the mentoring, the, you know, good God, extracurricular trips, you know, maybe even youth clubs. Do you remember those? You know, some kids, some kids, (laughs) some kids who who are of an age to go to a youth club don't have never seen a youth club, right? Never know what that is. Um, You know, just remember how much has been stripped away is quite frightening.
0: There's a oh, yeah. lot of influence, I think, from the, especially this kind of new wave over the last last uh, decade of, from the uncommon schools, charter schools, and in this in the states, and um and, and we're seeing kind of that spreading really fast at the moment around around our country, and and a lot of schools are are being heavily influenced that by it, and I think, and I, I'm come back to to the question I asked you a while uh, a while ago, and
3: <laughs> That I've, I didn't I, answer.
0: No, no. I, <laughs> I I think I'd, I think there is an element, and I, and I, and I might be distilling it down into, into something that's too basic to answer this question, but of of easiness, it's it's very easy to to say an acronym to a child than actually develop a relationship with a child. It's very easy to do these things, but but what I find what I found was really interesting was last year, um, and you probably you probably came across this that that school those schools issued a letter saying that they were they were going to change what they were doing and that they were they they kind of feel like the the zero tolerance and and everything a lot of the the practices weren't good and because they would gotten feedback from students who were now in their 20s and 30s who'd gone through it and, and and it wasn't good for them. And these students were saying you know what that wasn't a good experience and they've what actually you mean back-
3: being being trained to be a middle class white kid yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're from the projects yeah no who'd, it doesn't who'd, it's not, who'd have it's thought. not great, <laughs> I, yeah who just thought that but yeah. uh,
0: <laughs> but, but uh, I, I can see kind of and you know what you had a, you had a group of schools in america who thought you know what let's try something here and see if it works and, and fair enough they might have destroyed a few lives but uh <laughs> Uh, that's that's not fair enough by the way uh, and but they back, they've backtracked a bit've they've, they've said you know what um we we might have got something wrong but now but I think the concern for us here is that we've got a lot of schools in the uk or in England more specifically who are still following that way and are still taking that blueprint and it's still spreading
3: yeah because it's it, it's endorsed by the government it's um promoted by their uh paid acolytes uh, and um ofsted turn a blind eye i'm afraid and there was a time where off ofsted would come into a school and ask to see the exclusion figures and interrogate them deeply um now they just sort of shrug and say well you know it's a tricky area difficult school um no wonder you've got high fixed term exclusions you know just it, it it's it, you know that you need you need something that's more positive being driven from the centre. Otherwise, some people end up following ideas that they haven't interrogated thoroughly enough. Nothing wrong with uncommon schools. I don't. I'm not. I'm really not keen on, uh, you know, talking down what anybody's doing because I'm sure if you went to one of those schools, you would see uh, great practice and caring teachers, right? And and my problem is, you know, my problem is how is is maybe with how. The organization is led. My problem is never with the teachers in the classroom because they don't get to choose that. But but it's interesting. We're talking about those charter schools. How many other schools are there in America? You know, how many um, public schools are there in America? You know, not, not private, but you know, public schools, as they're called in America. How many? When do we hear about them? Because some of them are doing amazing things, right? You know, big big inner city schools in Los Angeles doing amazing work. Big schools in Chicago. You know why why aren't we hearing about those we've very selectively uh, imported um, you know one system one voice uh, one idea why have we ignored all the rest of it you have to question you know what's behind it right where's who's where's the money behind it who are the organizations behind it you know i'm not <laughs> i'm not i'm not captain conspiracy but there are unfunded organizations um, Sorry secretly funded organizations they won't reveal who they're funded by that influence our behavior policy and have done since um, since the coalition government. Uh, you know that's why we only hear about one system and, and one set of schools. I wonder where else in the world that we really should look to uh, to see incredible practice and I remember um, I' remember working with some schools in Wales and I've worked with a lot of schools in Wales and I was just talking to somebody and they were saying... You know what you're doing in England, X, Y, and Z. I said I don't think you should be looking to England. I think you could look to, you know, to New Zealand. You could look to Scotland. You could look to what they're doing in Sweden, you know, the, <laughs> the old chestnut. But but there are lots of places. Denmark is in, an incredible school system as well. Um, but but we, we you know we need we need better examples than a group of charter schools in America that's been promoted uh, in order to I don't know what in order to do what. You know, even if they built a hundred of uh, uh, charter schools in the UK, it would still be a tiny, tiny percentage of of the overall um, offer. I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm still more interested in what happens to the majority and not a small minority.
1: Just imagine if we had a, a different behavior in the in the UK. Yeah, Paul Dix for behavior. <laughs> 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 it,
3: if you've listened to me for the last. Uh, 50 minutes you probably have worked out that I'm not a good fit for that job (laughs) do you know what I mean I just it's not you know I'm, I I, and and to be honest I I don't want to I don't want to be the government's man why would I want to be the government's man um and I refuse to take uh money from uh yeah I refuse to take money in that way full stop end of story I'll go and earn my money I won't take it from funding bodies I won't take it from the DfE uh, and I won't be in hock to anyone because otherwise then you can't speak freely and you know who am i if i can't speak freely
0: yeah friend of the podcast uh, david price who who uh, comes on quite regularly has is is championing those schools that you mentioned there kind of like when you when you talked about um california like he 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 uh, does a nice case study on new road school in in california but you've got schools like that over here as well. You've got the the yeah. XP schools, Doncaster, who who are who are opening up new schools, um, School Twenty One. You've got those schools that that are that are, are booking the trend and are and are reimagining how things
3: are done. Uh, Colin Coffin uh, is on uh, a Teacher Hug Radio on the thirteenth, fourteenth of February. Um, School Twenty One uh and i've just talked i talked to the head teacher the other day she says they live and breathe when the adults change at school 21 uh and and the doncaster big picture schools are very much all about relationships and uh, and a different way of delivering curriculum absolutely good examples
0: go on steve you look like you really was, want to say yeah. something
2: yeah i don't, I don't want to the waste the moment and, and, and waffle. So I'm just trying to... I'm gonna. I'm not going to mute myself. But I think it's interesting. I, I spoke to somebody yesterday and we were talking about um, systems and talking about infiltration of, of systems and trying to not constantly say, oh, no, I'm not happy about it. So I'm going to infiltrate it. I'm going to try and change it. And I said, maybe we need to create a new system alongside and, and the schools that we just mentioned demonstrate it and ensure that actually the current system, the current setup actually just needs... You can't just... And we always talk about it. it can't just evolve because I don't think they'll let it. I think it needs a complete revolution and, and a and a system to to demonstrate and then change the narrative of they're saying this is what we look for because look at the research, you know, look at the many, many years of, of this works, this works. And I think we need to constantly go to the good practice examples of of all of the things that we've mentioned in the in the in England, in in Wales, New Zealand, Nordics. And start to demonstrate a system that actually can work, and start to just just build our own, because I don't think they'll change. I don't think those adults will change, which is so scary. But I don't think they want to. Um, So I think we need to build our own. Um, And I'm I'm up for it. Build a system. Yep. just, Just
3: just just what.
2: Just build it. Just build a new one. Just build a little castle somewhere, and just completely change it. How does that sound? Okay.
3: okay. With a wall, a moat. Do you get a bridge?
2: No, we no.
3: Do we get costume?
2: Flowers. Don't know. Don't know. Flowers. Yeah, flowers. Build a wall of flowers and.
3: Okay. Okay. Uh,
0: how did, how did? within 30 seconds, how did it's we a get vision. Into...
3: I thought you said you weren't going to waffle. You started that whole thing off by saying, I- I'm really going to try not to waffle here and ended up with, with a wall of flowers in a castle and, and a, and a up, new education head... system born.
0: <laughs> I think it was the head teacher of a castle school. How did that happen,
2: Steve? <laughs> in terms of the example, but I think we, I talked about the new system. I think the system already exists. I think it's just building a narrative to demonstrate that that one narrative they built around that one example of research and everything else of the uh, the books of what do you call it down when everybody has to stare at the front and and that's the only way that you can get behavior the, the tracking and all that kind of thing
0: oh there's lots of there's when you read especially like teach like the champion there's there's acronyms like slant and acronym yeah there's a, there's a few of them out there
2: yeah and I think that whole element of not knowledge versus skills, that we build a curriculum that is what Debra kid that it's more, um, it's around kindness, holistic approach to, to learning, all of those kind of things, I think is key. It exists, and people are saying, oh, we need to infiltrate and we need to change it, but it already exists. We oh, just yeah. need to at the forefront, and I think we need to be strong enough, and I think some of these voices that have been saying it for a long, long time have probably been on their own, where actually I think the narrative is now a collective and as as David Price kind of brings it together, that I think the, the, the power is with us, and I think to, to collectively then just be strength and just constantly bombard and, and go against the narrative that already exists. I said I wasn't gonna waffle and I'll just probably waffle for about 15 minutes. I just thought you've about done the, really well there, that was quite I long. Just, I just thought
3: about <laughs> you know, how did that happen?
2: I think the parasitimals are kicking in. I don't know what just happened there. I just I just But I'm pleased up.
3: that I'm pleased that we went there, it was good. Yeah, but you but <laughs> i don't
2: think think we'll be back on next week (laughs) no you definitely will
1: (laughs) well teach a hug flowers niceness
3: okay nice
1: i see what it's all part of the same thing yeah flowers flowers and hugs together i
3: think steve i think to, to to respond to that i think that um we just need to keep asking the questions about evidence because they're the questions that can't be answered And behind every glory story of a miracle school uh, lies a deceit, right? Uh, Particularly if you are claiming a miracle because you introduced a punitive behavior system. And the deceit is quite simple. Uh, It it is that you've, you've kicked out the kids that you didn't want. You've curated a cohort to give your school false exam results. And you've ignored the collateral damage, which are kids' lives that are still living across the road from your school. Um, you know those are the difficult things these big behemoth trusts that fill up pupil referral units in a week from year seven you know when they when they're kicking out year sevens when they first come in it just it's horrific Um, and it's being allowed and we need to stop it being allowed we need the inspectors to do the job that they've been you know commissioned to do which is uh, to keep children safe and there's nothing safe about ridiculously high levels of fixed term or permanent exclusion, full stop, end of story, uh, you know, find another way, find a better way. Uh, look at the examples around you and, and just keep questioning the evidence because there isn't, you know, where are the slew of behavior experts, uh, you know, saying, well, we, you know, we'd be much better if we just isolate them for a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, <laughs> where are those people? They're just it, it's one or two Unevidenced uh, um, points of view, but but there's no, nothing, you know. Th- there is no evidence that um, zero tolerance has a positive effect on uh, on a school community.
1: Do you know what? I think that's a, that sums it up. There is a there's a different way. Um, we've we've got to build relationship, um, and I think what you, what you've shared with us tonight, Paul, I think is going to resonate with so many people, um, and we're really grateful for your time. And uh, we're really grateful for you asking us to be involved in um, in in the new project, Teacher Hug Radio. Um, don't forget everybody who's listening: at www.teacherhug.co.uk, um, and uh, check out Paul's books. And uh, and if you haven't read it already, you have probably heard about it. But the new one, did you say thirty first of March, Paul? Is that right?
3: Thirty first of March. After the adults change, it's called uh, Achievable Behaviour Nirvana, um, and 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 there's gold. There's gold on the cover. Which for me, it's just, you know, I, I'd buy that book just for that. I'm not interested in what's in the pages. It's gold. You know, it's got, yet, gold, it's got gold on the spine as well. You know, what, that's what we're talking these days. I think
1: it's the word Nirvana. So either there's a musical element yeah, or you know that. the RE boys in here love the idea of Nirvana anyway. It's, so yeah, it, it,
3: yeah it's, it's absolutely. You see, uh, I, you're my target audience, Ben. I've got, I've, you know.
2: <laughs> teacher, and, and as soon as you said gold i'm thinking about gold medal so i'm sold as well I'll
3: buy it. <laughs> it's an easy sell these days but i just want to say before i go you know that um we we, we talked a lot about behavior we you know talked a about teacher hug but what teachers are doing at the moment is quite incredible um you know the amount of work they're having to do the amount of extra responsibility they're having to do, the amount of safeguarding issues they're having to deal with you know uh, um teaching kids in in online in kids bedrooms is something that we we'd never imagine that we'd have to do 6 hours a day. So just you know the last thing I'd like to say is just a, a big respect to all the teachers out there and everyone that's involved in education at the moment. It is a a, a a you know you're heroes. You're heroes but but you know like teachers always have been you, you it's not a profession where you get that instant reward. It it you know it comes later. It comes years later, doesn't it, when someone finds you and said you made the difference. Um, but, you know, everyone will remember where the teachers were during COVID and they should be very proud of, uh, of of their resilience. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Thanks, Paul. We really appreciate your time. Thank you.
3: Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers, Paul.